0: Welcome to the PPA Scotland Magazine Stories Podcast. I am your host, Laura Kelly Dunlop. I am a journalist and the business manager for PPA Scotland. For Magazine Stories, I interview some of the most fascinating people working in our industry. This is the place to hear anecdotes and advice that shine a light on the people behind your favourite magazines. It's a chance to learn from some of the best in the business. For this podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Rosamund West, who has been the editor of The Skinny for more than 10 years. At The Skinny, Rosamund leads one of Scotland's most important cultural voices. It's also an important breeding ground for talented people. For magazine stories, she tells us about what she's learned from everyone she's worked with at The Skinny. She also candidly discusses the challenges they're facing as the coronavirus crisis hits the events and cultural sectors. Thank you for joining me through our online recording for the socially distanced edition of Magazine Stories, Rosamond. And before we properly begin our regular interview, I want to take a moment to ask you about the impact of the current coronavirus crisis on the skinny. I know you guys have been particularly badly hit.
1: Um, Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, Yes, uh, we have been quite uh, profoundly hit as a publication, as a free publication, which covers events and venues and um is entirely reliant on advertising revenue from things like events and venues um to sustain we were very quickly hit by the shutdown um the sort of uh the first phase of lockdown happened when we were halfway through our april issue and we moved to remote working really quickly Um, But it became apparent that everywhere that we usually distributed the magazine was going to be closed. So um, that first challenge we were able to address, we rerouted through supermarkets. So we've got this really interesting new um, delivery route, uh, reaching, I I would imagine, slightly different audiences to our usual kind of central urban dwellers, going to more suburban and um, disparate spaces, which is quite cool. Um, But... Uh the revenue just dropped off a cliff immediately um so we've had to after we put the April issue to the printers, we had to furlough almost almost the entire team <laughs> um We had an initial attempt to um have a digital only offering, but as the time scales became clearer and the lack of uh revenue opportunities became really clear you know that no one's spending any money in advertising the world has completely changed overnight um we had to sort of furlough pause pause digital and furlough everyone um the really big really big header for us was the end festivals announcing they weren't going to be happening it's a really a uh, key part of our annual offering we do a different uh, magazine called fest in august uh and from a sort of business point of view the Revenue that we bring in over that period is really key to our year-round functioning. So once that had uh, been announced, we really didn't have any option but to sort of put the shutters up and hope we can just maintain until everything starts to open up again, and whatever
0: at whatever point that is. That sounds really really rough. Um, what help would you like to see for magazines like the Skinny?
1: I feel that there should be for the skinny in particular we are a cultural magazine we perform a really key role within the cultural sector which i think often goes unacknowledged by the sort of governmental bodies if you draw a comparison to london which is really well served with cultural journalism really well served with publications Scotland is quite underserved, and um, we have such a thriving cultural sector. It's you know world world leading in many ways, and it needs to be reported upon. But we have relatively few publications which do so, um, and we have always functioned independently. Our whole tagline is independent cultural journalism. We are you know fiercely independent, but um, we are absolutely crucial to that cultural ecosystem. And, you know, every piece of funding which is given out needs to be reported on in some way or, you know, not if, I guess not every piece, but it is key that there is reporting happening for funding to be delivered and that we we have sort of delivered that for free for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly we hit this wall where we can't do that anymore. And the doors of sort of public institutions like Creative Scotland were sort of shut on us um, I do appreciate that on a an individual level we are quite lucky that our staff are eligible for furlough we were able to pay all of our outstanding contributor fees to the freelancers before mm-hmm. closing up you know from an individual sustainability point of view we are in a good position but from a publication point of view it there is it is challenging to see how we can return. And it would have been really helpful to have some sort of line of dialogue with the sort of funding bodies, with the sort of governmental bodies about how that could be, how they could assist. Um, because relatively small amounts of money or a relatively small amount of assistance in terms of formulating an action plan uh, for sustaining and return could have made a huge difference, but it's just that's, that hasn't existed at all, mm. unfortunately, because magazines apparently don't fall within any sort of um, funding remit, um, which seems crazy because obviously it does actually fulfill such a huge uh, part of the a cultural ecosystem to have that criticism and that dialogue and that platform in terms of audience reaching audiences uh, for us through print and digital through different sort of social uh, media outlets. You know, we have this audience, we have this direct line of communication and with the new sort of supermarket thing, actually, we've got this really great way of reaching these diverse audiences that y- you can't reach by just putting on a play in the theatre in the middle of town, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, it's been, I think we could have, we, we could have probably had some more help. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Later in our conversation I will be asking you a bit more about this. But obviously as well, you're you're the starting point for an awful lot of people on their careers in the cultural sector. So journalists, designers, photographers, uh, creative writers when they you know they, they get their first start. So yeah, that's um it's certainly a key role and Obviously, I would like to see you very much more supported as well. Um, Thank yeah, you. as I said, I'll, I'll ask you a bit more about that later. But um, for now, I kind of uh, want to go back to mo- one of our more usual magazine stories chats in which we obviously talk through your career and what people can maybe learn from that. Um, so I want to go back right the way to the beginning uh, and find out how you got your start in the industry. Well, <laughs> um,
1: I... Did I uh, studied sculpture and art history at Edinburgh uh, College of Art and Edinburgh University and um, so my very first published writing was in student at uh, Edinburgh University's student paper writing mm-hmm. uh, doing art reviews specifically um and I had planned that I would go and do a postgraduate journalism qualification somewhere um after I finished um but that never actually happened. Um, I was, I mean, it's very kind of like coincidences bumping into people sort of path. Um, I was working in this uh, central Edinburgh bar and the doorman was this Australian who was apparently starting a magazine, um, which seemed unlikely to me <laughs> um, <laughs> because he just didn't, didn't seem like he'd be able to do that, um. But I, uh, I sort of said, uh, "Well, I, I, I'm going to be an art writer. I'm going to be an art journalist. So I, I need to write a visual arts you. So I sort of like uh, insisted that I was going to be there, like arts correspondent. Um, in the, it became this magazine called Noise, which lasted for about a year, and uh, I wrote for that while I was doing my degree show. A lot of the people who'd been involved in it sort of came together and said that, uh, they thought that actually there was, there was something in it this idea of the sort of free press it was in 2005 so free mm-hmm. free publications weren't really a thing that people were it wasn't it wasn't It didn't have the prevalence it has now I don't think there were really any more in, in Scotland and um, uh, it was a model which was used in Australia it was quite I think it was based on that Melbourne model um, so a lot of people, they came together and they started the skinny. Um, so I was sort of tangentially involved in that to start with and wrote for it for a while, um, but not like part of the sort of core group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of did bits and bobs as an internship at Map um, Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, Scotland's Scotland's Visual Arts Magazine. Then I. Uh, went traveling and came back and became more involved in the skinny so took a decision to step into it a bit more uh became the art editor and the, the sort of main sub editor mainly because I shouted at people when they changed anything in my copy <laughs> <laughs> um so really not not really no no sort of formal training per se um but a lot of just uh, working at things and working at things and working at things, um, I had a job at the Scotsman after that. Um, on the online doing, uh, putting the whole newspaper online each day, um, which was quite an intense <laughs> workload. and uh, mm. really instructive on sort of large volume production work, um, and after I'd done that for a couple of years, the editor job became open at Skinny and I interviewed for that and became the editor, which was 10 years ago. Uh, I'm quite aware I haven't really gone to a lot of different publications. Of, uh, we've done bits and bobs of writing in different places, like The Guardian stuff, but not I haven't I haven't got a sort of like coherent bank of experience in different cities and so on. It's very sort of based in this locale and sort of, just building something from the ground up um, Mm -hmm. which I think is yes what what the skinny is it's a sort of drawn from zine culture everyone
0: pitch in and try and build something. Mm. I guess I want to go back a little bit to to the Scotsman because I think that is kind of um, a brand obviously that everybody knows very well uh, and seems like quite a high profile job Um, I mean did you take a lot from that? Uh, I learned so much there. It was so
1: interesting. Um, doing the yeah the just the sort of like efficiency to put every single article on their website each day was really instructive. Around sort of just how much you can get done in in a short period of time. Working on the news was really interesting. the sort of filters that you apply to uh, distinguish what is and is not relevant to an audience. Um, mm. I think I had to sort of second guess it a lot because it wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily
0: chime with what my natural instincts were. When you took on the editorship at at the at the skinny did you go in with a sense of what you wanted to do with the role?
1: Yeah, I had a really clear vision of how I wanted it to function and how, how I wanted it to be perceived what where I wanted it to fit in the market I've always felt that the quality of what we produce is much higher than perhaps the general perception is well certainly at that point I I think it was quite um it wasn't respected as much as I felt it should be Mm -hmm. um and I wanted to make sort of just make it a bit more clear in terms of um what the the sort of like cultural melting pot like reflect the cultural melting pot a bit more it was quite sort of segmented into each individual sections that mm. were um, each each section sort of had their space and they, but they they would fill that space and it was quite territorial and um, so I wanted to sort of break that apart a bit and just make it more cohesive um, magazine um, mm-hmm. and at that point nothing was, nothing was paid for apart from the uh, the cover story i think each month um so get people paid for the writing more um and i think i had a sort of like grander grander vision of world domination and uh, which is only recently i have admitted might not be possible <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotta keep reaching for these things yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's important and how would you describe your style of leadership um
1: quite sort of bottom up if that's a if that's a term for leadership. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to hire the right people. Mm -hmm. That's the thing which I have learned most vividly over the past 10 years. Um, I had no uh, real experience of managing teams of people beyond sort of bar work. The thing that I learned that I was quite good at was actually recruiting people who are right even when they're not necessarily the most qualified they might still be the right person so I think finding the right people is the most important part of leadership for me and then letting them tell you what uh what the best thing for what their their specific area of expertise is and Mm -hmm. then sort of assisting in shaping that and course correcting where necessary
0: do you think there um it's a different set of skills for an editor
1: yeah so it's 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 actually quite a struggle at first because you're used to trying to especially in arts journalism you're used to trying to sort of convey your um your voice and the individual there's an individualism to it um as a as an arts journalist and an individual sort of Reflection of vision and um you sort of have to step back from that a little bit surrender the ego to a degree uh it's something I initially struggled with quite a lot was that sense that what what am I even doing you know <laughs> uh, where's is, where is my vision in all of this and mm. um actually realizing that it's sometimes there's more strength in reflecting a, a more collective vision rather than trying to top down dictate what's the right thing to do is because you don't necessarily know, like you need to listen to everyone mm-hmm. um, and like being able to listen to people is, is incredibly important and then sort of
0: distill that and, reflect it back. You've mentioned Fest already. Um, It's probably useful to tell us a little bit about how they kind of work together and and what your role looks like for those two publications. Um, So Fest, the the overarching uh, organisation
1: is Raj Media and so Fest is one of the Raj Media family of publications. Um, We... There's a long backstory on the Fest, which is initially entirely separate from the Skinny Things. It's older than Skinny It mm-hmm. um,
0: It is. I was on the launch um, team, so <laughs> <laughs> I remember that.
1: Um, so it's obviously got a long and proud history within the Edinburgh festivals. So many people have come up through it. You, um, Helen Pitt at the Guardian. Yeah. Um Just lots, lots of interesting writers who've had quite diverse careers, maybe outside writing, maybe within the sort of festivals mm, sphere. Indeed. And it came within the Skinny, there was a sort of part investment by the Skinny, so it was partially, there was a shareholding which happened at some point in the late 2000s, uh, but we brought it fully on board maybe five years ago. It's so bad. I'm going to get all the numbers wrong completely because it just becomes this haze of monthly deadlines. I forget how long we've been doing things for. Um, That sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It
1: it became part of the Skitty wholesale part of the Skitty Family about five years ago, perhaps. Um, And I'm the Raj Media Editor-in-Chief, so I was responsible for working out how we would make that work within the company mm-hmm. um, without losing what it was and the people who made it because that's, you know, it's the, the people who make the thing are often the most important thing. Um, so we went through a process of sort of discovery, uh, interviewing all the different, talking to all the different people who'd been doing it, reading all, reading back issues, um, and we tried to bring it into the Skinny family, the Badge Media family and give it a, a new redesign, um, like a fresh look of paint, but without sort of undermining what, what it was in terms of its quality of journalism, quality of opinion, its um, reputation. We took it on with this view to exporting it because it seems to be such a useful publication. It's got a short-term... Uh, shelf life because it covers the Edinburgh festivals. Um, mm-hmm. So we brought on um someone to to tasked with looking at different markets and finding out where it could go. And the first place that we discovered it could work was uh, Adelaide in Australia because it's got the second biggest fringe, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we launched that. We've done that three times now the Fest Adelaide. So we do a sort of similar model. It's a little bit different. It's got a slightly different character. It was really important that we had a, a team of Australians to write for it because mm. obviously vernacular is important and Australian vernacular is a lot unto itself. And we we weren't going to try and mimic that. Um so it's it's a slightly different publication but very much part of this first branding it's got the same design it's got a similar um ethos around the like, importance of criticism importance of high quality writing um but it's just it's it's
0: a bit more australian <laughs> It does sound incredibly difficult to try and launch a publication literally on the other side of the planet. <laughs> Tell me a bit about that experience. Well,
1: it's really it's really George's baby. <laughs> so George is the director of Fist, so he was, the, he was the guy we brought in to look at how to take it to different places. So he went over a couple of times and um, did some research and uh, made the connections and started to bring in the revenue around it. Um The first year we did a lot of, all all of the, well, we always do all of the design and sub-editing and so on just here in Scotland to um, cover, to to just keep the costs down basically Um, Mm -hmm. and to keep control over it in a sense because, you know, especially in the first year you don't want to just hand over everything to an, an uh, an unknown team. Um so the first year it was really very awful uh in in February, we were sitting in our office as the beast from the East blew in oh god on <laughs> the print the print headlines Sunday night as well, so it was like every weekend <laughs> in the office. Wow. um i was I was pregnant, so I was furious um <laughs> snow everywhere as we uh put placed all of these lovely uh reviews of um Performances in gardens filled with light and warmth. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So there's quite a lot of uh, it's quite a lot of rage attached to that first launch. Um, the product itself is fantastic, um, and we've got one person on the ground who manages the distribution and promotion, launch parties, and all the sales, and like all of the like really big tasks around the physical production of getting a magazine out.
0: In the time you've been at the Skinny, I mean that's an incredible achievement. Are there some other kind of really proud moments for you?
1: Yes, uh, there's lots. It's, it's weird, it's most of my adult life has been spent at the skinny. Um, the We launched in the north of England in 2013? 2013, I think, mm-hmm. um, covering Manchester and Liverpool and uh, laterally Leeds. Um, it's a bit, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of sadness because we had to close after four years. But when we first launched, it was really, really exciting and really really felt like an achievement because we, we, you know, assembled a team, got got together these people who wanted to write about their local culture and um, provide, we were able to create an outlet and a line of dialogue for people in, in an area which didn't necessarily have it before. Um, and, you know, Manchester feels, Manchester and Liverpool really feel like quite exciting places. Mm. So... That was a really proud time when we first launched down there. It was really it was really great. Um it we we unfortunately did the launch quite quickly and there were problems in that that we never quite recovered from. So ultimately it didn't it didn't sustain. Um but it felt like the sort of beginning of something Really interesting. At that point, we were looking at how we could maybe take it to different places. Uh, the mm. Oft talked about by different generations of skinny staff members, skinny Berlin, which um, <laughs> comes up basically every two years. Someone says, like, We should launch in Berlin. Berlin's really cool. Let's launch in Berlin. Okay, yeah. how <laughs>
0: It really feels like Berlin would be a city that would that would like the skinny. I can absolutely see that. You've mentioned a little bit about kind of a three line um, throughout all of our conversation about business and about uh, revenue. How much do you have to be a businesswoman as well as a journalist and an editor?
1: For the last year, I've had to be much more on the business side of things. i for a former publisher. left about a year ago, and I've been in a sort of de facto... Managing director position since then. Mm. Um, it's a very difficult balance um, because our editorial uh, independence is absolutely mm. sacrosanct. It's the it's the keystone of what we do, um, mm-hmm. so that can never jeopardize the objectivity. Um, but the magazine is entirely. Really, line on ad revenue so i have to be very aware of that i've got a commercial director who i have to work really closely with to try and establish ways for us to keep going once a month um and work out new sort of revenue streams we brought in a new uh events <laughs> a new events role uh, mm-hmm. six months ago which we were <laughs> really excited about um bringing in organizing lots of cool events over the course of this year um which i assume will happen
0: next year now <laughs> um time for planning let's time try, for planning. try to keep looking on the positive eh? <laughs> time, time for
1: hibernation reflection yeah. and planning so yeah i have to be i have to be very aware of it uh, but also absolutely not let it compromise anything around the editorial objectivity um, mm-hmm. so sort of Form a wall in a sense that uh, means that the editorial staff don't have people asking them to compromise anything. Um, Although they're all quite good at fighting
0: that off themselves (laughs) (laughs) they don't need your help on that one they can fight people (laughs) and um in your career who would you say that you've learned the most from I mean maybe a few people or, or maybe there's one person in particular I feel like I learned so much from
1: everyone you know there's just so many different parts of my role that I've had to learn different things from um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think the, the the team, you know, there's been so many different generations of of staff at the Skinny because it is the the place. It's a place where people start their careers, and the, you can't mm. really expect people to stay for longer than two, three years before they move on to the, the next step, effectively. Mm-hmm. But I've learned so much from you know every single person who's been there in, in the different. Capacities like designers and um section editors and so on. Uh, it's this. It's this really interesting melting pot of knowledge because every single person there is insanely passionate and informed about the thing that is there, is their sub their area of expertise. So it's a sort. So sort of, I feel like it's a sort, sort of ongoing,
0: ongoing, collective learning process. Mm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that must be an incredible way of staying up to date with them. With you know, I, I hesitate to say, but, but what the kids are into, oh God, if you're you know, so... like the kind of what the newest technologies are, what the you know. <laughs> Um, what the kind of new platforms are that are coming up? That's that's got to be a way to keep your finger on the pulse. Yeah, it's, it's also
1: a really good way to feel very very old uh, very quickly. Well
0: <laughs> I mean, that's definitely the flip side of
1: that. <laughs> I, I, I realised that my bike is older than our general manager <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <It's disturbing. laughs> um, but, but yes, it's uh, it's it's an, it's it is, um, I I wouldn't say I am um, in. I'm entirely well versed in how to use things. Like I kept having to have Snapchat explained to me a few years ago uh, over and over again. Um but yeah, it's, it's 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 really important, I think, to have that. We've talked about having a skinny young team who are just there to inform us on what the latest developments are mm. and what the kids are into, and when you reach 23, you're too old to be in the skinny young team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that, that's quite good you, we, talk, I mean, we, we kind of started talking there about um, the important role that The Skinny has in giving generations of young talent their first chance to have work in a magazine um, I mean that must also give you a very good insight into the common mistakes that people make as well as the things that make people stand out um, what message would you like to, to give to people starting out in magazines? Oh my god, I'd say be, be prepared to keep learning
1: um and be be open to criticism <laughs> slash feedback um
0: yeah
1: I think that is the thing the people that you see going on and having successful careers are not the people who will come in the door fully formed and uh just won't won't, won't take any feedback won't won't have their work edited I mean I'd say that I was an absolute nightmare to edit my work. Like, if you move apostrophe, <laughs> I would shout at you, um, like Giles Giles Korn style. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you do need to have some level of um, humility, I guess, mm. and be open to idea sharing and flexibility in your thinking. I guess mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the really important thing is be be fluid, but not mm-hmm. so fluid that you have no shape.
0: <laughs> wow that's a really that's a really deep bit of advice i've I like been it. i've been doing some yoga to deal with stress <laughs> fantastic <laughs> uh, yoga based uh, career advice so oh it's my a, God, it's definitely no. a new one I i've like done
1: it. i've done some Yo- i've done some
0: youtube videos <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I think uh, be flexible be agile don't expect that the thing that you come in with is going to be the thing you're doing in five years.
0: Would it be the same advice that you would have liked to have known at the start of your career, or is there something, you know, in particular that you that you wish you'd known whenever you were that kind of young upstart?
1: It's that whole kind of imposter syndrome thing, isn't it? I think there's a lot more there's a lot more conversation about it, but mm. it didn't I didn't feel like that was something I was really aware of. Um and I mean, I was an imposter, I probably still am an imposter, <laughs> but I think it would have been helpful to just understand how much everyone is winging it um, yeah, and how much everyone is just constantly learning and adapting their thinking and trying to respond to the latest development slash crisis as best they can.
0: It's funny that um, that's definitely something that I took out of my time, which was also at student, I think, at the same time as you. though We didn't know each other back then. Um, Was that, was nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Everybody's (laughs) everybody's making it up as they go along, (laughs) which is a brilliant bit of knowledge. Yeah, definitely.
1: And it it gives you a bit of confidence for the future, because obviously right now is an incredibly worrying time. I don't want to diminish the reality situation by with sort of professional concerns because professional concerns are really not as important as the reality situation. But I think it gives you a bit of something a a bit of calm maybe, a little bit of uh hope to think that you can respond to whatever's thrown at you going forwards like you will find some sort of solution the path might change the business might change but we'll work something out um yeah i think the thing that i uh i'm most known for saying in the office is it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) it'll be fine it'll be fine
0: I like that. It'll be fine because it has to be fine, yeah. is what I usually say. <laughs> it has to be, so it will. Yeah, pe- pe- petty mantras. <laughs> um, I mean, we talk You've mentioned there when this kind of current crisis ends, and um, I'm sure we all hope that it does very soon. Um, what's on your radar for the kind of future of magazines, or the future of the skinny once once this is passed and once we kind of um, are out the other side? Well. <laughs> We were
1: in the process of beginning a sort of transition into an employee shareholding um business structure, which was exciting. Fantastic. Giving we were so close it is so frustrating. Um, (laughs) giving the team much more of a real stake in the publication and the future Mm -hmm. developments of it and um giving us giving us the scope to sort of collectively decide what our next step would be. Um, which was exciting and is still exciting because I think that will be the future of the skinny regardless of when we come out of this. Um, so we were looking at that from a business perspective and from a sort of publishing perspective, obviously going into diverse multimedia um, podcasts and so on. Got So many ideas for podcasts that we were going to do <laughs> two weeks ago um, and product lines, including, again, wish we'd launched this two months ago, jigsaws.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel like people are primed to love jigsaws right now, though. Yeah. So even if it is in the future, it's like people have rediscovered how great jigsaws are.
1: <laughs> yeah. The two the two things that have come out of this crisis, jigsaws and Zoom, apparently, is yes, the biggest a- thing in the world I hadn't heard <laughs> of two months ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that their shares are really looking very healthy at the yeah. moment. Poor <laughs> old that, Skype. <laughs> yeah. That that is fascinating though that you say about um your kind of new business plan. In many ways that sounds very much like the skinny going back to to basics to what, yeah. it, what it's always been about and that zine culture.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's Excellent. um yeah, something that maybe got lost in just different levels of survival through different periods of time. It's it's changed a lot. But I think that that collective approach is absolutely at the core of it.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I hope to, to hear more about that whenever things are a little bit more stable. <laughs> um, I want to finish on a really positive note, because I know I mean, we have talked obviously about difficulties. And as you quite rightly say, the difficulties that we're facing within the magazine industry are just quite a small part of a really massive global crisis. But um, one of the things that's been giving people comfort through this time has been the arts and magazines. So I wanted to hear from you what the best thing is for you about working in magazines and your relationship to them. it's
1: just having having this this thing that you've made (laughs) it's just so it's i mean it never stops being exciting having this new publication that you make um a a physical product which represents so much in terms of different people's labor and also this ability to transmit ideas to and just sort of send it out and especially with a free sheet just send it out and who, who knows who's going to who's going to come across that? Um I think that idea of communication is is so at, at, at the heart of it. Um and it's so important in terms of identity. I think that's something that sort of I remembered at Magfest last year, the how much magazines shaped who I was as a teen. They didn't shape well, didn't, they, they allowed me to connect with a broader community as a teenager. Um they sort of sell you worlds and tell you that there are other people out there who share your interests and give you the space to sort of laugh along with them and appreciate different types of writing, different ideas and different pieces of design, different pieces of illustration and art and so on. It's just this amazing forum to just share diverse ideas and identities and cultures in a really... The really democratic way. There's no sort of there's no barriers that exist there. Anyone can pick it up and connect with something they maybe wouldn't have otherwise
0: heard about or thought about. Thank you for joining us for another edition of PPA Scotland Magazine Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, your podcast provider of choice. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review. Next week will be our last episode for this series of magazine stories. We have a great guest lined up, the Big Issues Managing Editor, Vicky Carroll. We'll be discussing her star-studded career as a music journalist and the passion that she has for the social justice aims of the Big Issue. I hope you'll join us then. I have been Laura Kelly Dunlop and this has been PBA Scotland Magazine Stories.